Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Eleonora, who relates to the woman in the mirror and is curious about improvisation to break the chain of fear. Enjoy. Eleonora, welcome to the Relating to Self podcast. Thank you, Joachim. With pleasure. So, um, to give a bit of a backstory, uh, you are here because I was introduced to you by Anna, who was also on the podcast, who was introduced to me by Troy, who was one of the very first people on the podcast. And then we ended up meeting in Geneva last year, which was fun. <laughs> and then I decided to also invite you for this podcast. And for a bit of background on you, you are at the end of your PhD working on the neurotechnology to restore vision in blind people. And you would like to close the gap between engineers and doctorals while doing that. That sounds absolutely amazing. Sadly, this is not what this podcast is about. I'm sure you could speak about this in another other podcast, perhaps. Somewhere else. Yes. But then you also like to share beauty in different forms. And you also said that you like to connect people in your network when you see matching needs. And that's so beautiful. So, um, relating to self. When you hear that term, what does it mean to you? It means the relationship I have with my inner self, with the person that I usually see in the mirror. It's a reflection of me physically, but I think inside it's very different. And I learned that is uh, quite harsh on me, on, on Eleonora. It can be judgmental. And it can also, when I manage, <laughs> can be very compassionate and can hug the Eleonora outside the mirror. <laughs> so this is uh, what relating to self means to me. I think you're the first person who mentioned something about a mirror and about like a reflection in the physical mm -hmm. world. And I think that's, that's an interesting concept when it comes to relating to self. Yeah. So I'm curious when you try to relate to yourself, is a mirror a tool that you use? Do you actually look at yourself in a mirror and maybe speak to yourself or how does that work for you? This, uh, this image, it actually came out during one of my psychology session. Um, I, uh, I have one meeting every, every week I started, I checked, uh, during my, uh, year, let's say, uh, looking back at 2021, I started in 2020, October, 2020. And since then it has been a journey. And uh, once she shared with me this picture where there was a mirror and two, two girls who were hugging each other. And the one from the mirror was coming out to hug the one outside the mirror. And this is why uh, I use this uh, metaphor, let's say, 
uh, to describe my relation to, to myself, because I really see it in this way. Um, we work a lot on uh, seeing the Eleonora behind the mirror and trying to um, describe how she behaves and what is hurting the Eleonora outside the mirror. And it's important to also allow the Eleonora inside the mirror to uh, be kind and to take care of the one outside. I'm curious if this archetype, I guess, of this Eleonora in the mirror, mm -hmm. is this um, a unified kind of archetype? Is it, is it one entity? Or do you also sometimes distinguish parts or different aspects of that? I think, no, it's not one. It's many and also at different, let's say, ages. So there is the little Eleonora when she was a kid. Uh, there is the Eleonora that grew uh, in a very competitive environment because of my past as a gymnast. <laughs> um, there is the Eleonora that is looking for approval from his parents, from her parents, especially from her father. So it's, it's not just one. Um, and the different experiences uh, that I had throughout my almost 29 years of life uh, bring a piece to it. And so by looking backwards, I'm trying to see them a little bit more in depth and to understand how this interacts with me today. Because I, I feel that some, I have questions in, inside myself that I don't know where they come from. And I'm trying to answer them by, by looking at that for the moment. That's really interesting. If, if you don't mind, I would love to know more about mm -hmm. that pressure that you feel inside of you. Um, how do you feel that? What, what does it manifest as? Um, I can use another image that, uh, again, I draw this time after a session. It's basically like a tower. I'm at the bottom of the tower underneath, like not on the surface, really down, deep down. And basically it's, I am building it somehow, or it's building itself upon me, very heavy and very intricate. And I'm sitting down there, uh, in, um, in, um, how can you say? sitting with the legs close to myself in a very, you know, protective position, little, little, tiny, tiny. And uh, I'm just trying to, to breathe to see if I can get out or to see if I can feel better in this, in this situation. Um, but there is, then there is also the question is, do I need to escape or do I need to learn? how to stay inside and navigate this situation? That's such a good question. And that's something that I think about a lot as well. This idea of, in my mind, there are also always two aspects to any kind of situation that creates tension or that is mm -hmm. not what you want. It's the internal aspect, which is how can I deal with what actually is around me? Yeah. How can I change my inner reaction to what's happening to me? Or the other side, which is then, how can I leave this situation? How can I surround myself with 
circumstances that are better for me. And yeah. so I'm really curious, do you have a, a way of navigating that for yourself? How do you decide whether to work on yourself from the inside or whether to change your circumstances? So this is work in progress. I don't have an answer to this question at the moment. Um, it depends on the time. Uh, I can give you an example, which I am very proud of. <laughs> Please. Yes, that would be wonderful. It happened basically at the, at the end of the year, I got COVID and I decided to leave Italy. I was with my family to, let's say, be sure that I wouldn't infect them. I would be feeling better if I'm away and, uh, Voila. So I came back to Switzerland and I, uh, I had to quarantine alone because my boyfriend couldn't stay in the same apartment. It would have been difficult, the mask and everything. And I think a few years, if I look back at me uh, one year or two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to spend New Year's Eve just by myself, enjoying it. I dressed up, I put some makeup on. I prepare myself apéro and a cocktail and then a nice dinner. Um, when I cook, I like listening to jazz. So I put some jazz <laughs> and I, I was feeling rather good, you know? Yes. I was missing the people I care, my boyfriend, friends that night was supposed to be with, uh, with some friends in Lausanne, but at the end of the day, I, I stayed in the situation. And I stayed with myself. I didn't need to look outside to change the situation. I just accepted it and, and that was fine. Beautiful. I, I love that story. <laughs> I especially love that you made an effort, you know, when you, when you describe like, you know, you put on makeup, you put yeah. on some jazz, then you cooked for yourself. That sounds lovely. And it reminds me of this thing that I discovered not that long ago, actually, mm -hmm. that most of the things that I value that I believe I need other people for, I can actually also just do with myself. And yeah. for me, that include, that includes going to a nice restaurant or going for a walk or enjoying a movie. And because sometimes when I think of like, for example, say a movie, like I want to see a movie, there's this image of like watching a movie with someone, someone. I care about, right? You want to like mm -hmm. share that experience and that's nice. Yeah. And then in the past that has held me back from actually watching the movie because I had nobody to watch it with. But then I now see. I realize, no, I, I can watch a movie and really enjoy that experience yep. with myself. Yep. And yeah. Yep. So it, it sounds like that's what you did for new year's Eve. Exactly. Indeed. Amazing. Yes. Well, actually, I, I also spent new year's Eve on my own <laughs> and it was lovely. It was beautiful. I just, I just danced with myself in my living room with the fireworks same. outside same yeah. <laughs> but i <laughs> didn't have covid <laughs> no, but it was fine not a big uh, covid situation good i'm happy to hear that it wasn't too bad for you no, yeah eleonora i would love to go back to what you said earlier mm -hmm. about this idea of the eleonora in the mirror and how the inside of you or that character is quite different from the person who's who's watching in the mirror i would yeah. love to to understand more like how do you perceive that difference how do you see the difference between the eleonora that you see as the eleonora on the outside and then the one that's inside okay um sometime i mean before 
I was thinking that it was me, it, it was the judgment of someone else that I was afraid of. Uh, the judgment of my professor, the judgment of my, my friends, the judgment of someone I don't even know. And I'm just interacting for the first time, for example. Um, and the judgment was, you're not good enough. So there is this, this is also a piece of the puzzle. <laughs> uh, but then in reality, it's, it's not that someone else. It's the inside part of me that is kind of say, hey, look, you're not going to be good enough for this person. Why are you talking to me? Or you're not going to be good enough uh, at your PhD. You need to do more. You need to work more. You need to perform more. It's always um, achieving something higher and higher, which I, I think I, I will keep this because it brought me where I am today. But I want to clean it from the stress of always achieving more and be more and be happier with who I am, what I do, and uh, be okay with that. I, I'm, I'm still struggling. It's, it's not happening <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> or now. I still have moments uh, where this happens. But from time to time, I can say, okay, that's enough. It's okay. Yeah, I I tend to believe that these moments, as you call them, will always be there, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think I will be able to come to a point where nothing in my life feels stressful or creates tension. No, but recognizing them, at least. See, you know, if you know that they triggers you, then you can kind of recognize and make peace with them. They're going to happen, as you said. Yeah, that's beautiful. That that feels like a compassionate way of mm -hmm. looking at the process. It's not just being compassionate to who you are, but also yeah. compassionate to the process that you're in. And when you fail, which for me also happens often, I can see that as part of the process, as part of the growth. And yeah. that, that reduces the tension greatly, I would say. Exactly. You said a really interesting word that I would love to dive into a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Perform more. You said that was like one of your fears or maybe like this idea of not being good enough. You need to perform more. Mm -hmm. And I think performing or performance is a very interesting word because it could point at, you know, being effective, being efficient and producing work. But it could also point at performing like acting, like pretending to be something that you're not. Yeah. And I'm really curious if when you say perform more, Is it because you felt that you needed to embody a character that maybe you didn't feel was the real you? Yes, there is, there is that. Yes. Hmm. Um, what does that look like? Be more confident. Uh, sometimes it's good to do fake it until you make it. This is something I cannot do at the moment. Uh, no, it doesn't come. Um, Performing uh, for me, it's, it's a lot related to uh, school grades um, with the gymnast, gymnastics, yeah, um, because it's a big part of the system. You need to perform for perform. Um, there is the part of judge, 
I mean, there are judges. There is a jury of judges that is going to give you a grade again. And yeah, for me, that has always been very, very hard. Um, there were situations where I was able to perform better than others. Um, but usually what makes me more uncomfortable is when there is a jury that is just looking at me. And this is something that again today, when I have to present the project, when I have to give a talk, when I have to, you know, it's me in front of an audience or someone else, then <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it feels difficult. It's hard. I would like to share a story at this point that I mm -hmm. think is very relevant. And I think it illustrates this point. Um, you know, and perhaps some people listening will also know that I have a, a history as a performer, as a singer, right? Yes. For many years, I was on stage performing. And I remember at a certain point after that already, I was trying to be some kind of a traveling sales agent, perhaps, because I traveled a lot to um, everywhere around the world. And then I was trying to help companies with spreading their work or finding mm -hmm. contacts abroad. And I remember mm -hmm. at one point I was representing a Belgian company making animation movies and I was in Japan. And so I had a meeting. Um, I didn't know whom I had a meeting with. I just had meetings with companies mm -hmm. in Japan and that was facilitated by the Belgian government. They have this kind of bureau that helps you find contacts and organize meetings. So I had okay. no idea what I was going into. And I ended up in this building and it was this like a scene from a movie, you know, this like huge building. You take an elevator to like the 15th floor or mm -hmm. something. Then I was brought to this huge room. Like, uh, room with a big table with all the corporate chairs, you know, those big yeah, leather, leather chairs. The big window with like the background was like the, the skyline of the Tokyo. Skyline. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is very impressive. This is not what I was expecting. And then the door opens and like seven Japanese executives walk in, like wow. you know, in their suits with their papers and stuff. And they all bow and they sit down and I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing <laughs> here? Right. And then the thing was, I had a small presentation that I had prepared, obviously. And as I start the presentation, suddenly I felt very different than I normally felt. As in, normally mm -hmm. I was doing this with one person. And when I'm having a conversation with one person, yes. you know, that's kind of just a conversation. But then with the seven people sitting there behind this table, I suddenly felt something like, oh my God, I know this. I know what this is. This is a performance. Yeah. I am on stage right now. This is yeah. my audience. And that completely uh, changed my mindset. And suddenly I was like, wait, I've done this for 20 years. Like this is, <laughs> this is my swimming pool. I can, I'm, a, I'm like a fish here in the ocean. So then I gave the presentation as if I was actually performing as, as a performer mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that went very well. So, yeah, I think what you say is really beautiful in this idea that when people are looking at you, something changes. Yes. But then with me, having had all that experience of thousands of people watching me while performing, that suddenly became a strength of some kind. That's so that nice. was an interesting moment. Yes, yeah. yes. In fact, I think maybe with this reflection now more that I have, I could try to do a bit more impro or going into something that allows me to, um, to break this, 
chain uh, of fears we see in the future. Hmm, I like that. The idea of improvisation to break mm -hmm. the chain of fears. That's a beautiful quote. And I've recorded uh, one of the sessions that now probably has already been published by the time this is published mm -hmm. um, with someone who specializes in improvisation to actually help people relate to themselves better, you could say. So yeah. that's definitely a subject that I think is worth exploring. Have you tried this already in, in some way or form? When I was in middle school, I did theater one year, but I think at the time I was not mature enough to <laughs> realize the potential of the experience. So that's why I'm saying it could be something to consider in the future. Hmm. Um, I started doing, like uh, in November last year, I gave a presentation to uh, high school students online. That presentation, I actually enjoyed it because after the first few minutes where I was feeling this sense of being judged by them, um, I felt I was giving them something and because of their participation and because of how they actually responded to, to what I was saying, I started to enjoy and to say, okay, I can let it go and I can pass my knowledge to these young and very motivated uh, kids. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not kids, of course, but, uh, but the feeling was amazing. At the end of the presentation, they were full of questions, a question that I would have not expected, honestly. So that is the first change that I noticed while giving the presentation. Yeah, I think very often it's just about finding a way to shift the mindset in the moment, right? Yeah. And I think that's where, for me, my practice of meditation helps so much because it helps mm -hmm. me become aware of what's actually going in, going on for me in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious if you have any practices or systems or whatever you want to call it to help build awareness around what's happening for you. Um, yes. So meditation is one of them, um, especially breathing. Um, it happened a few times that before giving a presentation where I was very, very anxious, I stopped and I took five long deep breaths and this kind of let this, uh, stress going a little bit down to clear up my mind so that I could be focused on, uh, on saying things that were right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. But that sounds like, um, an acute kind of in the moment solution, mm. but do you also have like a, a practice for that? Is that something you, you practice every day or maybe a couple of um, times a week? So during the session with the psychologist, we do usually at the beginning to enter in the session, 10 minutes of meditation where she guides me. Um, it's more or less every time different exercise. We start from the breathing and then she um, guides me in focusing on different parts of my body, uh, feeling them, for example, the, the fingers in my feet or the shoulders or depending on the session, sometimes there are things that come up. Um, what usually happens is that I have um, a lot of images coming up. 
And so what we do af- after the, the 10 minutes, we discuss um, what, what went on, what I could feel, uh, if I could focus or if I was be taken away by thoughts. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm really curious about the, the images, because this mm-hmm. is the second time that you mentioned it's like quite strong yeah. images. You just spoke about this tower before. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not such a visually oriented person, I would say. I don't mm-hmm. have those kind of images. For me, it's more like feelings. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious if you perhaps also use that actively. Do you sometimes sit and like envision certain scenes about yourself or how you relate to yourself or how you relate to the world, like in an active way, I guess that would be some kind of like a, like a fantasy or a daydream of sorts where you build kind of like a projection of what's real. Mm, No, usually I do it during these 10 minute sessions for now. I didn't experience it outside that for the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that could be really interesting. There's, um, a vision meditation that I do sometimes as well. Okay. That is mostly about trying to engage as many senses as possible within mm-hmm. the, the building of an image. And this one specifically, the one I do is about to understand where you want to be in like five years or in 10 years and to create oh, wow. an image of what it is that your life would look like, but very precisely, not in vague terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, I'll be famous or I'll be rich or something, but more yeah. like, you wake up, you open your eyes. What do you what see? Is. What do you hear? What do you feel? Uh, what are the smells like? You know, all, all that kind of like things. And I think that's, that's a really beautiful tool also to help people mm-hmm. understand themselves better and create yeah. a relationship with their inner self. So I'd be curious if someone like you, who is so visually um, oriented would do yeah, that. Very that would probably be very rich. Yeah. 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 Great. Eleonora. I wonder, is there anything in the way you relate to yourself that feels particularly difficult for you still? Like, what is it you struggle with the most? Mm. I think this sort of competition, I find it difficult because every time I, I have to relate, no, not every time, but it happens times where I have to relate with someone else. I put myself in these assets, in this setup, let's say, uh, where there is, it's, it's always me uh, compared to someone else. And so what I would like to do is to recognize that I'm triggered and with this, try to clean it and to see that there is no need for comparison there is the need of me being happy with who I am and what I do. And that's it. Yeah. Do you think that there's a connection there between the way that you compare yourself to others and the way that you compare yourself to, let's say the Eleonora in the mirror is, Because I feel for me very often what what happens is that what I feel as tension creating on the outside is a reflection of something that happens inside, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm curious if there's a comparison going on somewhere there inside of you as well. 
I think so. Uh, I think it's still related with this uh, feeling of uh, not being good enough or not having done enough um, or thinking that I could have done more if. But mm. no, I think some sometimes it could be true, but sometimes I just need to to accept and uh, and this is okay. Yes, acceptance. And not being so judgmental mm -hmm. with my decisions. How do you do that? <laughs> How do I do that? I don't do it all the time. I do it very few times. When it happens, uh, it's when I'm kind to myself. And I let the pressure going down but i'm not fooling myself i'm still working on it and <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a long process that i just started <laughs> i hear you we all are in the process Leonardo, yeah. so much yeah. and yes um kindness leads to acceptance i think i agree with that in which way would you say that you try to be kind to yourself do you have certain things that you do for yourself or things you engage with that you know will create this kindness? <laughs> It's a silly example. Uh, when uh, maybe I know that I should wake up earlier to start earlier my day at work, but then I stay in bed other 30 minutes. <laughs> This is the first step I'm trying at the moment. <laughs> How does that feel? It, it feels good. Um, Or there are some times where it, it, there, there, is, there was one super good example. I had a day planned out until the end and uh, I took time to arrive at the appointments and the meetings uh, in time. And then suddenly the train stopped because I traveled back and forth from Lausanne to Geneva and then the way back. And that day I took it very early. So I came out of work at for, which is not usual, um, the train stopped and I stayed there one hour, nothing happened. One hour and a half, nothing happened. The bus was full. I couldn't get to the next station. So I had to wait an hour again, half an hour. And so I arrived late at my appointments. I had to cancel some of them. And at that point I was like, it's okay. Um, life happens you cannot have control on everything even if you leave early work and even if you did it knowing that you would have another hour spent at work doing more stuff no no, no. it's fine it's okay and uh, that was another example where i <laughs> i was kind to myself <laughs> beautiful yes surrendering to the reality of what is mm. right like when yeah. the train stops there's nothing you can exactly. do about that yeah Hmm. Eleonora, I would also love to hear more about what it feels like for you to relate to yourself within relating to someone else. You mentioned that you have a partner. I don't know mm -hmm. if you, do you live with this partner? Yes, I do. Great. Then that is something I'm always fascinated by. Um, I don't live with a partner. So mm -hmm. for me, relating to self often feels easier, let's say, because... <laughs> 
I am with myself and pretty much I decide whatever it is that I yeah. want to engage in right now. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts or what the process looks like for you to relate to yourself while also being in relationship to another that is close by. Mm -hmm. um, I feel very lucky because he helps me in this process of relating to myself. I can discuss with him, for example, uh, the meet the sessions I have, I have this with the psychologist. I can bring on the table um, what we discussed and then have more insights, have his point of view. And it's very enriching because it helps his, it can help me see even more than just uh, with, with another person, with a psychologist, for example. So you would say that the process of being able to have conversations about how you relate to yourself with someone yeah. that knows you well and yeah. that is around a lot helps you to gain clarity about what exactly. it is that is going for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to the things that maybe you don't like about his presence or the things that are difficult, um, mm. setting boundaries, you know, being clear about desires and stuff like mm. that. Like, is there anything that you would like to share there on, on how you navigate that for yourself? I don't think I'm very good at yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's being Italian or if it's just me or if it's related to how I grew up in my family. We are people uh, that use quite high tone of voice for communication when we are angry. So sometimes when I feel triggered or I feel the boundaries are a bit overcome, then I go into this modality. And at first for him, it was a shock because he's not used to, to this type of communication in his family. Everyone is very calm. They can communicate in a very calm manner, no problem. But I think after few years, he got to understand me a little bit more. And so he kind of knows how to, to navigate this and leave me the space. And now that he's going also through his uh, relationship with himself, he asked me questions like, what did trigger you? What is exactly where, what did you feel? Why did you, did you, um, got so mad? And so this way of communicating with each other, um, I, I learned a lot from him as well, because by doing this to me, I'm trying the, the, I'm trying the same with him when he feels differently. It's not the same reaction, but he has his moments as well. So I think it's very important for me, the communication with him. And yes, so I will learn to communicate better before bursting out, uh, <laughs> understand the trigger inside myself and then communicate it directly to him. It's a, it's an ongoing process. Mm. That sounds a bit like relating to yourself first mm -hmm. and then from that place of understanding yourself, yeah. relating to the other. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm curious about what you said earlier though, this, <laughs> You said something like, is it being Italian? Is it just me? Or is it growing <laughs> up in my family? 
could you tell us a bit more about what it means in this context to be Italian? Do you think Italians, like as a as a cultural entity, let's say, have mm -hmm. a different way of relating to themselves in general than other cultures that you've experienced? I don't know. I don't want to make generalization like this. <laughs> But I guess being from the south of Italy or having some blood from, from there uh, makes me a little bit more... How can I say this? Um, I don't have the English word for that. Colorful. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> I like that word. Colorful. That's a very nice way to put it. Yeah. yeah I guess. Uh, I guess it's that. Mm. But I, I. I mean, I know friends who are from Italy or are not not like me. Yes. They're very calm. Yes. Well, the reason I ask is because I certainly feel, and I don't want to generalize either, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's no stereotypes that I want to reinforce, mm -hmm. but having grown up in Flanders and having struggled with a lot of things in my youth, mm -hmm. I certainly still feel that there's a certain communality maybe in how people from the region that I grew up in approach certain problems or certain mm -hmm. expressions or mm -hmm. or don't approach them <laughs> you know <laughs> um, it's it was really really uncommon for me to notice anyone around me expressing healthy boundaries for example yeah and i've certainly noticed that in in other cultures that i have lived in for a while that was very different mm -hmm. um, and so hence also my question about what it means exactly to be Italian in terms of relating to self, because I certainly feel that where you grow up and the culture that exists there has a big influence on how that works for you in the beginning, because you just yeah. imitate the people around you, right? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. You now live in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. I do. Has that changed the way you relate to yourself in terms of you know, observing others around you behave differently with their boundaries and the way they express themselves? Yes, it has. Um, well, first of all, the family of my boyfriend and himself, they taught me a lot in this sense, in terms of communication and expressing some, some of these feelings. Um, friends I have, but from an international community, uh, well, Anna, in the first place. <laughs> She taught me a lot as well uh, in terms of boundaries, uh, expressing desires and feelings. And I enjoy so much the conversation we have every time we can see each other about this. It's every time a discovery, every time a reflection that sparkles. And I bring every time something home to, to think of and to share it, for example, with my boyfriend. Mm. I love sharing with him, uh, this type of <laughs> self-reflection and, and discussion. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. That, that always reminds me of um, the episode in season one of the podcast where I had a conversation with Sonia, where she very directly at the beginning of the interview basically said something like, relating to self for me definitely also means relating to others. Like I, mm -hmm. I form my, my being and the way I interact with people Yeah. by in, in this process of interacting with others. And it sounds like for you as well, there's a, an important part there of communicating with people around you and, and people that you like, people that you admire in some way, 
to yeah. to help you form an understanding of what's possible in your relating to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful. And I'm, I must say, I'm a bit envious of that because I'm the opposite. I've definitely, I think for reasons of trauma, mostly, I've mm -hmm. always been someone who goes internally, who, who sits with himself, who kind of like retreats from the world and then from that place tries to gain an understanding about what's going on. Okay. So, yeah, I think it's beautiful to see that you have these interactions with others to help shape how you relate to yourself. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Please, yes. Uh, relating to this, do you find it, have you tried to uh, speak with other people? And if so, did you, which one did you find the most difficult for you? Hmm. So do you prefer still re going into yourself, retreating into yourself and then deal with that inside or speaking with someone else helps you? Yeah, it's a great question. I'm, I'm still in the process of negotiating that with myself, this idea mm -hmm. that I can reach out for help. My default is still to go internally. And well, it's a bit of a problem, well, probably if you want to talk about it that way, I'm really good at this now. <laughs> I'm really okay. good at just okay. sitting with myself and resolving whatever tensions I feel or whatever mm -hmm. problems I perceive. So very often I don't even feel the need, especially to go outside and talk to people because mm -hmm. I can resolve this within myself. But recently in the past years, I would say I definitely am trying to make an effort to reach out more when I need help, when I feel like, okay. hey, this is difficult for me. Yeah. Can you hold some space for me? Or can you reflect uh, something mm -hmm, or something mm -hmm, like that? Mm -hmm. And I still struggle with, I think what I struggle with most is this idea of being judged. I find it difficult yeah. to believe that someone will hold space for me and hear what I have to say without, without judging me. I see. Yes. And it's actually relatively recent in my life that mm -hmm. I finally have been able to surround myself with people who are able to do that. Okay. Because in the past, it's not because people think that they don't judge, that they mm. actually don't judge, yes. right? I, I used to have friends who were like, yeah, sure, you can talk to me about anything. And then you talk about something and then you get all the judgments and that mm -hmm. becomes very difficult. So now, finally, I have found people, mm -hmm. I have some people in my life who I know I can depend on and I can share anything with, and they will not be judgmental. They will just hold space. So, yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think this brings to the table also the point of vulnerability. I've, um, I listened to podcasts from Brene Brown and she talks about vulnerability. And this is something that sometimes I try to do. I just try to bring my vulnerable self, uh, out there and see how the other people perceive it. <laughs> I think it's the most honest mm. and the best gift I can give to people. It's being myself the honest way. And so being vulnerable, it's risky, of course, because not everyone I think is equipped for, uh, um, receiving. <laughs> So sometimes uh, it goes well, sometimes instead it's more like uh, maybe that time I shouldn't have done it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. In, in my experience, the fear of being vulnerable usually is not warranted. I feel like most of the time when I, when I, when I courage as a verb mm -hmm. to, to use mm -hmm. a Brene Brown term mm -hmm. and 
show myself vulnerably to people who maybe aren't there yet in that kind of space between us, then usually the results of that are quite positive. I'm, I'm usually surprised in a positive way of mm. how people react to that. And mm -hmm. so I'd love to hear from you when you say like, hmm, maybe I shouldn't have done that. What happens for you to perceive that maybe you shouldn't have done that in the first place? When, when I see that there is no empathic response. Hmm. Yeah. It happened a few times. Then when I see that there is no empathic response, then um, I think, I don't think it was at that point good for me to show my vulnerable side. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can relate to that. I don't, I don't think I've experienced that especially. Hmm. <laughs> Eleonora, I want to be mindful of the time also because we Sorry, are yeah. nearing the end of this conversation. Um, mm -hmm. But before we say goodbye, I would love to ask you one more question. Mm -hmm. And that is, is there any question that you would have loved to answer that I didn't ask you? Uh, <laughs> no, I think we touched upon different topics. Uh, that I wanted to, to share. We went on vulnerability, uh, the fear of being judged and the internal self. So I think it was pretty complete discussion. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm a, a good advocate of mental health. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that's so important. And that's why I'm doing this podcast also, right? Yes, like, of course, great. of course. Well, Eleonora, it was a pleasure to have you here. Um, if people want to reach out to you or follow you, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. Uh, I think it's Bordina993, my surname and the tiny <laughs> meaning <laughs> yes. as for Italian. <laughs> uh, probably I also have Twitter, but I don't follow a lot. It's too much to, to mm. catch up. I like Instagram because I follow a lot of fashion, uh, news and stuff. I love fashion as well. And uh, what else? LinkedIn hmm. to connect. Great. Well, I will make sure to post all yes. of those links in the notes of the podcast so people can Perfect. easily find them. Yep. And then the only thing left for me is to say, Eleonora, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. You too. It was a great pleasure. Thank you for the space. <laughs> Thank you. Ciao. Ciao. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. <laughs>